Good evening. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Naktang Rinpoche. Chapter 12, Part 1. Fear and Loathing in Liverpool. Dreams of consequence had not occurred. I'd slept extremely deeply and had no recollection of dreaming. Whatever the secondary causes were for consequential dreams, they'd not been in Eskdale Muir or Liverpool. Kjabje Dujan Rinpoche had told me I would remember more of my previous life in dreams, but I was decidedly short of dreams. I had no idea what I could do about that. I practiced Milam and I practiced silent sitting. I practiced the tantric preliminaries with the necessary mantra recitations. So I did not know what else I could do to have the dreams I was supposed to be having. All I knew was that indulging in feelings of frustration would not help. Amy and Atlas had left for work by the time I descended the staircase after my morning session of silent sitting. Kate was there in the kitchen. I hope you didn't mind me not joining you, but I had enough of silent sitting at Sammy Ling to last a month or two. I smiled to show I was not discommoded by her absence, but said nothing. I had nothing positive to say about Kate's lack of interest in silent sitting. I'm glad you're getting on well with Amy and Atlas, after all. What was I to say to that? Peace had erupted, it was true, but as to getting on well, I could have had a better time with a crowd of ardent football enthusiasts. Still, far be it from me to say something that might sound peevish or grouchy. I mainly listened. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, you know, at this Latihan tonight but I guess I'm up for anything. It's much more interesting than all that silent sitting, I can tell you, she opined. People just sit for hours and what's supposed to happen? I've never heard anyone say that something interesting happened. Hmm, I hummed. I don't know how to answer that without talking for a couple of hours. I suppose I could make a parallel and say people just live for years and years and what's supposed to happen. I've never heard anyone say that something interesting happened. At least not something that anyone else couldn't say. I don't get that. Bad Nakpa, I said, slapping my wrist. Poor analogy. Let's start again. I think it might be better to say that it only becomes interesting when nothing happens. When there's nothing with no one watching nothing. That's what it takes to allow awareness to be what it is. Our natural awareness only becomes evident when we let the structure of conceptual mind drop. And it's a long process because the habit of conceptual mind is well entrenched. Yes, I can see that, but as you say, it's a long process, and Latihan shortcuts all that. Well, I'm open to seeing what happens, I replied, 
feeling that I'd just talked to the wall. Then I noticed the electric guitar propped up against the wall. Who plays? No one. It belongs to Atlas. He started learning to play once, but gave up because he felt it wasn't his way to God. Now we keep it so that anyone can play who comes here. Right, not his way to God. Well, P.E. wasn't mine, but I could at least admit to having no competence with kicking a ball round a muddy field with a lummox of sweating boys. Would be, would he, I almost said, would God, but censored my own sarcasm. Would he mind if I put a different tuning on it? I'm sure that would be fine. As I said, he gave up trying to learn and he hasn't picked it up for two years at least. I took a look at the guitar. It was some unrecognisable make, like a Stratocaster. Luckily, it had an appallingly high action and surprising heavy gauge strings. I'm not surprised that Atlas gave up playing this thing. You'd need to be Charles Atlas to hold a chord down on this. Atlas bought it like that from an ad in the papers, I think. Ah, that would account for it. Guitars are sold with medium gauge strings, so someone must have fancied these hawsers. They're good for blues if you have the finger strength and calluses for the job, but you wouldn't want to learn with strings like these. Did Atlas take any lessons? I don't know. Why do you ask? Well, a guitar teacher would have advised him to change the strings and probably would have adjusted the truss rod for him to take the action down. For me, however, it's perfect. I can play lap slide on this thing. I set about tuning it in open A. The amplifier was only a 25 watt model, but it had a reverb control. This was better. I was going to have some fun at last. I started off into a slow swamp blues slide and Kate came over grinning. That's amazing. Amy and Atlas will be really excited about this. You'll be able to play this in the Latihan. Um, I thought Latihan was supposed to be spontaneous. Yes, and it, it will be. I mean... Just because you know the guitar's there doesn't mean you can't pick it up spontaneously, does it? No, I suppose not. I wasn't going to get logical at this point. If I could sit playing guitar rather than goof around like a zombie, urged by the will of a putative, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, omnivorous, uncreated creator deity then all the better. I decided I'd like to see the cavern, in spite of the fact that there was nothing much to be seen, and because I felt in need of stretching my limbs. Kate was right, there was nothing much to be seen, but I felt as if I'd fulfilled some sort of sacred duty. It was also good to experience the reality of Liverpool after the unreality of the previous evening.
It was a pleasant day in Liverpool and I settled into a sense of nominative normality. Kate was pleasant company and said nothing gauzy about God to make me wince. I only ever winced internally on the subject in any case, but I just never knew how to respond when people talked about surrendering to the divine, apart from, well, good for you, keep it up. I never said that out loud, but the words always ran through my mind. So, I ventured after a while, Latihan and Amy's take on organised religion. Can I ask how that fits with your having been at Sami Ling? Yeah, well, Amy thinks I should be free to try things out like she did. There's no point in accepting Latihan as the path if I've never looked at anything else. Amy's read books on all religions for years, since right back to when she was a child. She's read everything there is to read about every religion, so she knows she doesn't have to do anything else. You see, she didn't find God through religion. It just happened. And so now she has Latihan. Any kind of religion is just a sidetrack to her. So if that's her experience and you believe it, why wouldn't you just follow her example? Ah, yes, I can see how you'd think that, but Amy doesn't want people to follow her. She doesn't believe in that. She believes that gurus teach by example and through Shaktipat. That's like a Tibetan Buddhist initiation, but without any of the ritual. I didn't point out that Vajrayana had formless transmission as well, because I didn't want to enter into any kind of minds as good as yours number. Right, well, I ruminated aloud, that sounds good, but if you travel around trying things when you have the idea in your head already that they're not going to match up to Latihan, then... Ah, yes, I see, Kate replied. That is a problem, or could be, but I am really open to the possibility that I might make my own discovery. I'm glad to hear that. So I'm still wondering exactly why you wanted me to meet Amy and Atlas. Well, it's good to try everything and I thought you were the kind of person who'd be open to anything. You seemed like that to me, especially after all that larking around in the river with Jan and Dot. You seemed a free spirit and that's what Amy and Atlas are. Yeah, I laughed. I'm just the kind of lunatic who'd try anything. Apart from hallucinogenics or walking on hot coals, that is. Oh, Kate responded, evidently slightly troubled. I, I didn't know that you don't... I mean, not even dope. Not even dope. You seem very rigid about that. Like a steel transom, yes. Amy says it's not good to be rigid. She may well say that, but Amy's not my teacher, is she? There's no reason why she shouldn't be. She's enlightened. That's as maybe, 
I don't know that from my own experience. There is every reason why she shouldn't be my teacher, however, but the reasons have nothing to do with whether she's enlightened or not. From my point of view, you have to actually have experience of the non-dual state to make an evaluation as to whether someone else has that experience. Otherwise, how would you judge? Oh, I'd never thought of that. So I'm not saying that Amy isn't enlightened, but I can't accept that she is simply because you tell me she is. That's your experience, it's not my experience. As to being rigid concerning hallucinogenics, Dujum Rimshe wrote a text concerning why smoking tobacco and ingesting any kind of narcotic or hallucinogenic is contraindicated as far as Vajrayana practice is concerned. So as Dujum Rimshe is my teacher and as I choose to view him as being or dwelling in the non-dual state, I find my rigidity to be entirely fluid. I see. So you really are very much in this system. I suppose I should have known that from the robes and all that. Yes, I never tried to give the impression that I was some kind of wild card ready to jump in any new direction. My direction was fixed back in 1971 and I'm really happy with my choice, so maybe I'll skip the Latiham. Ah, I see. Well, we always use something at the Latiham. As it's the summer, we have pixie caps, psilocybin, and when those run out, we use ganja. We don't smoke the ganja because Amy says the same as Dujum Rimshe about that, that smoking's really bad for you unless you're a sadhu, because they can transform it. But we have hash cakes, you know. Well, sorry about that, but I have to draw the line there. As I said, I can always take the evening out and see a film or something. I wouldn't expect Amy to change the rules of the game for me. I'm quite happy to skip Latiham. Hmm, I think it would put Amy in an uncomfortable position if you went out to see a film. I think she'd definitely prefer to make an exception for you. She wouldn't want you to do something that was against your principles. But then there'd be Atlas. Yes, Kate responded with some surprise. How did you work that out? Well, don't take this amiss. I like Amy well enough. Atlas, I'm sorry to have to say this, but Atlas isn't a person I... Sorry, is it all right just to say that I don't like him? I don't think you've given him a chance. Kate, what I observed of him last night is really quite enough for me to have come to a conclusion. You sound very superior, you know. You only met him yesterday. Yes, I don't mean to sound superior. And I know that sounds entirely false because, in a way, I suppose I am being superior. 
It's just that there's obviously a great difference between him and Amy. Or don't you see it that way? Yes, Kate sighed. I see it that way too. Sorry for accusing you of being superior. I do see what you mean. And it's not that I don't know that Atlas is a little selfish in some ways. And he was rude to you last night. I did see that. So did Amy. And she told him he was rude. But then he did stop being like that, didn't he? I mean, when he came out of his room again. Yes, he did. But he was quite sullen for the rest of the evening. He didn't exactly become the bon vivant or whatever. So you hold that against him? No, I don't like to hold anything against anyone. I just like to be with people whose company I enjoy to the same degree they enjoy mine. It's all right by me if Atlas doesn't like me, though. I quite accept that he may find me quite obnoxious. I think that being an atheist causes offence in and of itself to theists. I'm not Usually, I'd not usually make a thing of it, but when people bring God into the picture and build an argument around it, then an atheist has no alternative but to lay that card on the table. It depends what people mean by God, though. Amy and Atlas don't mean God the way the Christians mean God. They mean the one force of the universe that's in everything and in us like we're all part of God and everything is one. Well, I don't accept that idea either. Why? Because that would be described as monism, according to Buddhism. So you don't accept God just because that's the Buddhist law? No, I laughed. Not just because it's the Buddhist law. There is no law about it. And I don't accept anything on blind faith. I simply have no faith in monism, because monism is a narrow vision of reality. I don't believe in dualism either, nor nihilism, nor eternalism. And I don't think I ought to go any further, or I'll have to give a whole discourse on it, and that might be horribly boring. I'm not trying to convince you of anything either. If the idea of God is helpful to you, then that's fine by me. I think the idea can be helpful, especially if it helps people to be kinder, more tolerant and generous. Right, I see. Well, you sound like you've got it all worked out then. Not at all, but enough to be going on with. And I'm not shut off, as you can see. I'm here and more or less open to what happens this evening. But getting back to Atlas, I mean, it's his place as well as yours and Amy's, and it can't be too much fun for him having me there when I'm not his idea of the perfect guest. Yeah, Kate sighed, I can see that it's not unreasonable. Anyhow, I'll tip your psilocybin tea away when no one's looking, if that's all right with you. What could I say? 
Yes, that'll be fine with me. So what's it like, the three of you living together, I mean? It's good I've known them since I was 16 when I left home and we've just continued in this way. Right, and so now you're how old? 18, 19 in July. And Amy and Atlas, I guess as he's a PE teacher, he must be somewhere over 25. They're both 32-ish. Right, well, I'm not exactly the Ancient of Days or anything. I'm 22, but your being 18 makes me feel, well, almost paternal. Age is irrelevant, Kate retorted rather crisply. Yes, I didn't mean anything condescending by that. I know that age is arbitrary when it comes to how mature a person is. Atlas, for example, seems younger than you in terms of maturity. I'd put his emotional age... I stopped myself before saying 12. Well, I'm no expert on such things. Sorry, didn't mean to snap. No problem, I can understand your reaction. I'd be the same if someone brought my age into a discussion. But I'm just a little concerned that those two are as influential with you as they are. They're a decade older than you. Fourteen years, to be precise. All right, I laughed. Arithmetic never was my strong point, but I was meaning that more in terms of a significant measure of time. And so? And so, having been alive for that much longer, especially at around our age, makes a big difference. I mean, look at how I related to Jan. She's more than a decade older than me. I deliberately failed to be accurate. And she obviously had some clout by virtue of that. I know I held my own in relation to her, but I was always aware that she had some sort of edge on me. She didn't use it against me in any way, apart from giving me a good run for my money with teasing. But a person that much older does have some power, you know. I think you might do well to be aware of that, especially with Atlas. Amy seems quite gentle and caring, but Atlas, I'm just not sure about him. He worries me in relation to you. They've been very good to me, you know. They took me in when my stepfather started trying it on with me. My mother said it was all right for me to go and live with Amy and Atlas because it was causing a problem me being at home and she's continued to support me financially so it all worked out well for everyone. They've been like parents then, in a way. In a way, yes. I left school and went to tech instead to get some A-levels and Amy and Atlas helped me with all that. Then they helped me with my application to teach a training college. So I'm as certain as I can be that they have both my best interests at heart. Right, well, that's unusual, but it seems to have worked out well so far. 
Kate sighed a somewhat resentful sigh. You still sound as if you're suspicious of Atlas. Yes, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. I can't just tell you I think Atlas is a stalwart and gallant gentleman just to please you, can I? No, but it seems you're suspicious after having known him for one evening. I think that's a little much, actually. Sorry, maybe you're right. I just have an uneasy feeling, that's all. I don't usually sum people up that quickly, but people aren't usually as easy to read as Atlas. He just seems immature and, well, manipulative. All I can say is look after yourself and don't be drawn into anything against your will. I think I'm perfectly capable of looking after myself, she snapped. Sorry again. I can see you can give as good as you get, with me at least. Maybe I'm just an interfering busybody, but I mean well. Yes, sorry, I know that. Before you came down here, I thought I, well, I thought, I don't know. It seemed that I knew what was going on. Now I feel a bit confused. Life has just rolled on since I started living with Amy and Atlas. I've never really thought much about the future. Thinking about the future, well, that seems like a conventional materialistic approach and I want to avoid that. Yes, I can see that, but I'm hardly Mr Normal and I take account of the future. What'll happen when a gentleman appears in your life? Right, I do wonder about that. Something passed across Kate's face at this point. That's a difficult question, really. You see, Atlas has always hoped I'd fancy him and we'd all live together, you know, but it's just never happened. I mean, you can't just fancy someone because it would make things work out well, can you? No, well, I couldn't anyway. That's maybe what I was worrying about, with Atlas, I mean. Right, I have to say this, but it unnerved me a bit when you warned me about Atlas. That's why I snapped at you. I'm sorry about that. It was like you were reading my mind or something. That's not some sort of Nakpa thing, is it? No, I laughed. Or rather, yes, but I can't read anyone's mind. My observation of Atlas is merely based on what I saw. I can't tell you exactly what I saw, apart from the fact that he'll bully people if he can get away with it. He attempted to bully me, as you must have seen, but I don't exactly allow myself to be bullied, even though I don't respond angrily. Yeah, Atlas did think you were angry, didn't he? I wonder why. Because I wasn't intimidated by him. He expected me to be intimidated and it threw him when I didn't respond as he expected. In a dog-eat-dog world, you're either top dog or underdog. If you can't intimidate, you feel intimidated. That's my reading of why he projected anger onto me. 
I'm not saying I had no reaction to Atlas's rudeness, but it wasn't anger. I'm afraid to say it was merely ennui. Ennui? Sorry, it's French. It's what you say when you don't want to be so impolite as to use the word boredom. Ennui is a little like tedium, listlessness, lassitude, languor, weariness, enervation or malaise. Right, well, Amy and I didn't think you'd replied to him in an angry way. I think he just read anger into a firm, non-emotional position. Maybe because he's not used to being resisted. Yeah, I can see that. You know, Atlas does try it on sometimes. I wish he wouldn't. He says I'm not being open to the will of God. He says that if I was open to the will of God, it would all be natural and easy and the three of us would live in perfect harmony. Do you want me to respond to that? I'm not sure my opinions are. Yes, tell me what you think. Well, what I think is that the will of God seems to coincide with the will of Atlas. And whether you believe in God or not, that has to be a little suspicious.